Sir, the possibility of successfully navigating an asteroid field is approximately 3,720 to 1. Never tell me the odds. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. And once again, this show is being brought to you and reminding you you're not in good hands if you're with Allstate. <laughs> I promised them I'd do it every week until they fixed their stinking issues. Nice. So, you know, <sighs> I'm I'm glad that I get to be a part of that. And for our listeners, you know you just couldn't keep away, right? That's why you're back. They always come back, Pete. We tried to get away, and then we came back. What's funny is, too, you know, I was telling you before we started the podcast, but I'm talking to this dude who like introduced another dude to Peyton and he's like, Oh yeah. You know, I read his book church zero years ago and I almost wanted to go, Hey, that was a horrible cover. Wasn't it? (laughs) I was just telling someone about why that cover was Japanese. And I was telling him because I wanted the two manga robots fighting each other. And the publisher was like, yeah. And it it was basically two ideologies like rock'em sock'em robots or whatever. Like, have the two ideologies fighting on the cover um, of, of, you know, what church ought to be and what it ought to look like. And um, they, they were like, yeah, let's just throw them a bone. Let's just do something Japanese. And of course, what publishers always do is give you three covers and one's really good. And the other two really suck. They've already chosen the cover, but they want you as the author to feel like you did. So you're like, "Uh, yeah, I'll take the second one. And they're like, great choice. Right, right. That's how it always works. Well, it was funny. I used to work at a video game company before I got married, and I was talking with uh, the head of HR because I worked in the HR department, and she was telling me that when she was over on the the creative side, and she was like a supervisor over there, she's like, oh, yeah, we'd always put a duck in the artwork. So that way, the next guy up could go, uh, remove the duck. Otherwise, it's good. Like, if you don't give them nice. something to complain about. Like they'll be picking apart your stuff that you know is really good. So you just give them something that, you know, and that's why we always call it. Oh, just put I, a duck in it. Just put a I duck. I love that. Holy crap. I love that. That's amazing. Well, Hey man, let's uh, look, I don't have any smack. I, I watched this movie you told me to watch and I'm ready to get into the topic. Dude. Oh, oh wait, I've got two sound bites. Uh, one is actually from Travis who we were talking about before the call. Okay. He goes, I'm so happy you guys have the, the sound machine back. So, uh, he sent us this sound bite. I made my money the old fashioned <gasps> way. I got run over by election. Oh, Woo! I love Welcome it. back. I love it. All right, here we go. Great Scott. It's time for this week's topic. Let's Oh, I love that. It just makes me feel so good. He's so excited about it. He, he can't stop himself from, from speaking over top of it. That's how Dude, giddy he is. I start doing Zoom calls with my professional business people, and I start hearing, oh, what you going to do when the smack talk's coming for you? And they're like, what's going on? What's going on? Are you serious? No, but I should. Oh, that would be so rad. What you going to do when the Church Planner podcast runs wild over you? Oh, yeah. yeah. Good stuff, man. I forgot about that one. So I asked uh, Peyton to watch a movie that Jamie and I watched last week. Uh, It's on Amazon Prime. It's a rental. It's called Super Spreader. And we both had mixed feelings about it. Yeah. But the reason why I actually asked you to watch it was because of some of the comments they were making about the youth. And I was like, oh, dude, that's like right in line with what Peyton was talking about on our podcast. I think we actually watched it last Wednesday. And um, I can't even remember exactly what one of the comments was, but it like hit me between the eyes because the dude was like, you know, they're they're looking for meaning. They're looking for purpose in life. And it just it was really making me think about, you know, what you were talking about with the youth are in a lot of ways neglected by the church. Like we talked about, you know, on the podcast last week, how. You know, when you get started in ministry, you know, maybe you're a youth pastor, maybe you're the children's pastor, and then you get upgraded to youth pastor, and then you become the associate pastor, and then you become the senior pastor, but you never go backwards. Like, it's never the senior pastor is going to be a youth pastor. Right. That just doesn't happen in our our world. But yet, 
it's almost like we're going, well, these aren't as important mm-hmm. as, you know, being the senior pastor. And you were bringing up the fact that in your church plant, half of it's like under 18. And it's, I mean, the youth are in large part neglected. I actually think, yeah, absolutely. I actually think that that much of what I learned in ministry and what made me missional was that I was a youth pastor. I think because there is such a heavy need for discipleship. You know, if you look at Jeff Vanderstelt, who was on staff at Bill Hybels Church, he was a youth pastor. And mm. it was while he was discipling the youth in his group that he had his epiphany, like, I don't think we're supposed to be doing church the way we're doing it mm. because we're called to make this. And that's where the missional community thing was born out of these micro groups that he created in his youth group. That's where Soma came out of, which, you know, uh, kind of kickstarted the missional community revival. Uh, I don't mean revival in the sense of spiritual revival. I mean, like the resurgence of missional community because that, that's come and gone throughout time. Um, many people probably don't realize that John Wesley was probably the, the biggest Kickstarter of that, um, in the 1700s. Um, big, that's how Methodism started. Yeah. So anyway, that, that was the reason why I told you, you should watch it so we could talk about it because, um, the movie super spreader is all about, uh, I can't even remember the name of it. Uh, let's worship. Is that what it was? Or let's. Yeah, it was let's worship. Let's Let worship. Us worship. Let us worship. Yeah. yeah. So I. It, apparently there's this dude. Honestly, I can't even remember his name. Sean Foyt. <laughs> Sean. Okay. Who was so the she- lead worship pastor at Bethel. Um, he's the guy with the like kind of curlyish red. He looks like simply red. Mm. Remember him? Holding back the years. No. Yeah, so 80s thing. Um, he looks like the Christian version of Simply Red. Okay. I, I hope if Sean Foyt, if you're listening, and I know you're not, um, uh, hopefully that didn't offend you, but you, you do. You, you look a bit like him. I'm sorry. I didn't mean it as an insult. So what it was, was uh, it was like his, it started as his personal protest against the lockdowns, the COVID lockdowns. And like he was personally really offended, bent out of shape, I think justifiably so, by the way, when they specifically targeted churches and said churches aren't allowed to sing. I mean, I actually remember our church not singing. And I was like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, this is church. This is what we do. We worship God and worship involves singing like that just (laughs) throughout all time. It's involved singing and we're. And then, you know, and like, so he was really offended at, well, we're going to let casinos, that's essential, but you churches aren't essential. I mean, completely unconstitutional stuff, which you right. and I talked about during right. COVID. I mean, it, it you, really you was. You and I kind of co- kind of called it way back in the beginning. Like, we were talking about it. And <clears throat> even Sean Foyt on the thing, and I'm I'm not in agreement with, with a lot of what I saw him do. And, hey, we can all disagree, but I, he made a statement towards the end of the film where he said, look, all of my family are doctors and nurses. I knew COVID was a thing. I wasn't a COVID denier. Um, so, you know, when you find the the extremes of people that were COVID, you and I heard it. And of course, I'm an RN. And back when it happened, you and I were both, we, we were like, well, you know, I, I said, I'm seeing a lot of panic. This is early on seeing a lot of panic and a lot of fear, which when you don't believe that you have a soul and this life is all there is, and they tell you some life-threatening, like that's where you just saw the cornered caged animal come out, Mm. like the viciousness, because this life is all people have. So they were like, you know, like if you threaten me, that's where, that's where all the nastiness came from. But there, I, I called on the podcast early on and I wondered, will I regret this statement? Will I, but I said, and, and I was careful. I said, Hey, I, I can't speak to what the virus is or isn't. But what I can say is I'm seeing the fear and the mass hysteria right now as being the greater problem. Mm. Um, and, and they bring that out a little bit in the film 
Um, of course, we've gone on to see a lot of um, corruption. Like we don't get the news here that they do in Britain. Like Pfizer had um, just like they had done so many just like the British government's going after Pfizer. Are they really? The, oh, yeah. For the stuff that was pulled during the pandemic there, um, there there's been a lot of consequences. Um, so it, it's crazy, man. Like the stuff that came out, there was a lot of money floating around during the pandemic. Yep. I mean, that was the amount of money that was made was insane. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of problems. Like when they released thousands of inmates here in the state of California, like everything became like kind of back in the day, El Nino. Sorry, I was like El Nino. Remember back when right, the El yeah. Nino hurricane came and everyone back in the 90s would like for like a year or two, everything was El Nino. Sorry, uh, El Nino's affected uh, my business or, you know, whatever it was. And <clears throat> what ended up happening with this was the government, we knew that the prisons were overcrowded. And they said, oh, it's to stop the spread of the virus, we'll release thousands. Basically, the government was just like, hey, we can't afford and we got a prison problem. Hey, COVID would be a great excuse to release a bunch of people that we shouldn't, but we can't afford to keep. And that's what happened. And at the same time, if you went to church, they would arrest you. Yes, indeed. In some places. And, you know, I still remember. (laughs) Do you remember that scene? Because they showed it in the movie. And I remembered it in real life when the dude was out by himself on his a stand-up paddleboard and like they're trying to arrest him because you're supposed to be at home you're supposed to be on lockdown right and it's like are you freaking kidding me yeah. dude is by himself can't possibly spread anything on the right. ocean right and you're gonna arrest him and yeah. throw him in jail meanwhile on a paddleboard out in the ocean out. like around the, the the you know level of the end of the pier is pretty social distance in my opinion but yeah, no, there, there was a lot of power grab and government overreach. And I think that's. And the thing is, is government doesn't give up its power. Right. Like it, it, it's like, it likes to set precedents. I mean, in the way you can always think of it is this, you know, whenever they put in a, a bridge, right. And they start a toll, it's to pay for the bridge, but right. the toll never goes away. Right. After the bridge has been paid for, because it's right. like, well, now everyone's used to paying. We're going to keep it. And I think that's what they kind of wanted to do with COVID. It's like, Hey, you know what? We don't have the the right to shut down these churches. We don't have a right to shut down uh, gun stores, which they shut down in California specifically went after gun stores. You know, we don't have the the legal right to do. Oh, we're going to use COVID as the excuse. Right. And literally only because of the fact that there are some judges that still respect the Constitution. I still remember when John MacArthur sued and ended up winning. You know, and gets like 800,000 from the county that tried to shut him down. They're like, look, you don't have the right to shut us down. We we have a constitution that we've all agreed to. This is our law of the land. You can't do this to us. Yeah. And I think that's the only thing that kind of backfired on them was actually having judges that respected the constitution enough to go, no, you actually can't do the stuff that you're doing. But it still took forever to happen. Yeah. And there's still this groundwork that's been laid for the next, you know, quote unquote, emergency. Where they well, want think, to do stuff. I think that was the point of the movie. Now, I was trying to watch a movie and figure out, like, what's the point of this movie? Like, what are they saying? In the very beginning, I thought, oh, this is Sean Foyt's movie. Like, he made this movie about himself. And then as the movie unfolded, they were interviewing people from all over the spectrum. And it actually seemed like it was a it was following his story. Um, but here's, uh, if I just give you in like two minutes, my take on the movie, it didn't really set the precedent of why he was doing what he was doing. Other than the government told us we couldn't sing. I'm a worship leader. Uh, and it, they also brought out that he ran for like third district of California and didn't win. And his life was, you know, he was all disenchanted and, you know, upset at God. And See, I, had- I remember, by the way, I'm going to comment on that right now. Yeah. When I watched that, my first gut reaction, because he was so like gut punched that he lost, right. but right. they showed that one scene where it was like, you saw how many votes he got, how many votes the guy above him got and how much like tremendously more the, uh, the Democrat got. And it was like, okay, if you actually thought you were going to win, you kind of living in your own little world. Like I was like, you, well, you're he's not from living, Bethel, though. I'm like, he's you're not living Bethel. in reality. 
So when you have enough people uh, laying hands on you and prophesying and saying, you're going to be, you know, you're, you're the man, you know, God's going to, God's going to bring you into public. You're going to win the election. You got enough people prophesying on you that then you do believe, oh, we're going to, you know, it's going to be supernatural. We're going to defy the odds. God's chosen me to be there, yada, yada. And, you know, I, 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 the movie doesn't say that happened, but being that he was from Bethel, I mean, you know, Bethel's a place where they prayed for a child to raise from the dead and kept the corpse in the sanctuary or wherever it was on, on the church premises for days, I think close to a week. It was like five days before someone blew the whistle. Like, one of the things that's going to come out in this podcast for me is, you know, apes gone wild. When you leave prophets to themselves for too long, those are the kinds of things that happen. Now, I'm watching this guy. He is clearly of the evangelist uh, camp. Uh, the way that he's throwing events, like almost like little crusades, pop-up crusades. That's for those of you listening, that's. What he does is he decides, I'm going to, first thing he does, he goes to the San Francisco uh, Golden Gate Bridge, and they just walk across there and start praying. And the cop shows up. He tells a story. The cop tears up and says, we're waiting for you guys because everybody's jumping off this bridge right now, which is a problem anyways. But, yeah. um, you know, during COVID. You want to get rocked? Watch a movie called The Bridge. Oof. It's a documentary on uh, Michael oh, Cheshire. It's the one that actually turned me on to it. Really? And uh, they average every 14 days, someone jumps off the bridge. And so wow. they set up a camera in the park, not telling the park the real reason they were setting the camera was just to shoot the bridge so they could get the people jumping off. Oh, no way. Like that's how many people jump off the Golden Gate Bridge every wow. 14 days in average. So uh, who knows what it was in COVID? Yeah. I, I have no so, idea. so anyways, he starts going to all these places. And I will, I will just tell you, the movie gives... Um, it's a critique in many ways of American Christianity, but only in the sense where it interviews people on one side. Then it comes back and interviews people like Eric Metaxas and others who uh, Josh Hawley's on it, who are very much like, you know, Christian. Um, what do they call it? Christian patriot, Christian nationalism. It's like I, at the end of the movie, I'm like, I don't know what this movie is saying. It It actually looked like it was a spectator movie. Like it, it didn't have an ax to grind. It's showing you this is what was, this is what happened. It seems at times pro uh, Foyt, and then at times it seems not pro Foyt. And that's how I like my documentary, you know, is I don't quite know what you're saying other than, and then towards the end, they make the point that the government overreach is a real problem. And if we don't stand up, we're going to lose this country to communism. The movie doesn't seem to be saying that, but it interviews a couple of people. But then it goes back to Shane Claiborne, who says, hey, look, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it was really interesting to me to watch because the whole time I'm watching it, I wasn't sure if you were telling me like, hey, watch this thing because it was super cool and awesome. And I'm watching. I'm deeply disturbed during the entire film. <laughs> well, what's funny is that. that. The big takeaway for me as I was watching the movie, and, and that wasn't even the reason I wanted you to watch it. It was literally, I thought they had really cool insight on the youth because yeah. as they're doing all these, like you call them mini crusades, these pop-up worship things in all these troubled cities, um, they're, they're attracting a lot of people. I mean, people are getting baptized, the youth are coming. And I just thought it was really interesting what they were talking about the youth. But as I was watching the movie, again, I'm sitting there going, okay, you know, this is a documentary. This isn't, I don't know this guy's story. I mean, Jamie and I were both like, how did we not hear about this going on? Because mm-hmm. we were so like, I can't believe the government is trying to shut down all these churches. And he's literally putting on these events all over the place and worshiping. But as I was watching it, I was like, okay, so are there no teachers and shepherds to pull these guys back in? Like, literally, that was the thought going through my head. I'm like, but it could just be the documentary and they're just showing us one side. He's an evangelist. That's exactly what he. Okay. So this, this is, this was my take on everything going on. And, you know, I don't know, Sean, and I, I can't judge the dude. And I, I definitely said, I'm coming onto this podcast, you know, speaking, I don't want to say anything that I would regret or anything that's unfair to him. Right. So let me just say it's, it's how I feel about Driscoll. 
That's what happens when you leave an evangelist alone too long. Because I remember watching the um, the the news. I remember uh, reading articles from various sources about him, and it was like, hey, check out this jerk hole. This is a summary of the thing, like out there spreading, um, you know, the virus. Like they've got mandates for people's safety, and this guy says. No, Jesus told me to come out here and amass huge crowds of people and give people hope. And I, it just, I, I remember going, huh? So everybody's afraid for their lives. And the, the whole law is summed up. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. And the second is like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Dude, I don't see how. I see how this might seem like you're trying to love God with all your heart. I do not see how this is loving your neighbor. This right here, I, I don't want to be associated with um church that goes, ah, screw people's safety. You know, let's go meet in public space, not wear masks, not not social distance. To me, it was like, and and they showed pastors, like they showed that really cool pastor in Skid Row. I'm sure that uh Kirkover Street knows him. Yeah. 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 There's a guy. He had, yeah, Church Without Walls down in Skid Row. And I can't remember his name, but um, I'm like I said, I'm sure Kirkover Street knows him. Um, but he was like, You're gonna come into my neighborhood. He he actually was forming blockades to keep them out. He's like, You can come into my neighborhood. Well, but they were socially distanced, right? They well, that that was it. That oh, when they were doing the blockade. blockade, I mean well, they're parking cars. That's how they're, oh, doing. they're okay. doing it by parking cars and stuff. And and he was just upset. He was like, you know, how dare you come into my neighborhood and put all these people at risk? And you know, by that, and and I remember feeling like, yeah, you you don't like nobody can tell you individually what to do, like with your response to to the freedom issue in a situation like this, like you know. But at the same time, it's like, but you can't is saying the name of God, I'm going to go out here and like, like cough on you during COVID, right? Like that became uh, uh, to a degree assault, physical assault to cough on someone during COVID. And that actually makes sense in a pandemic. You go cough on somebody. It's like, you know, it's like rubbing your, your skin on someone. If, you if you're leprosy. intentionally coughing on someone. Sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. People were doing that. People were spitting. Like, I don't know if you saw some of those videos of people in stores back then. They were spitting and coughing on people during COVID when they were being asked to leave stores for not having a mask. On. See, that's just being a jerk. Like I, flat out. Just you're, you're just a jerk. I mean, right. like in my, my whole thing, even during COVID was, look, I don't care if you want to wear a mask. I don't care if you want to stay home. My thing literally was the freedom issue. You don't have the right to tell someone else they can't go to work and provide for their family. Right. I'm sorry, you don't. <laughs> you, you cannot force my family to die by not providing for them because you're afraid. I'm sorry, it right. doesn't work that way. Yeah. Now you want to stay home, like because I had this conversation with my yeah. parents. My, yeah. my mom was I'm like, with you. "We got to stay home," and I go, "Well, no one's stopping you from staying home." And I still remember my dad going. Well, yeah, but we don't want you to have any fun either. I'm <laughs> like, at least you're being honest, right? Like <laughs> you want everyone to stay home because you're afraid and you don't want anyone else to go out. But, you know, at least that was an honest response. Right. But, um, but honestly, I, I mean, I didn't, I don't have as big of an issue with going out there and doing the worshiping because the only people who are going to go to that are ones who are attracted to it anyway, or the ones that God's calling to it. I, I didn't, I was like, okay, fine. I just was looking at it going, Okay, but this is an awful lot of, you know, what you and I would say is the the more charismatic side. And I'm like, where's where's the teacher? Where's the right. the the shepherd? Where's the one that's like balancing out this equation? They weren't there. And I I mean, it was definitely not in the documentary, right? And I was like, I don't know, some of these pastors, maybe they're more like that, and they're just not showing that that side to it. I don't know. But, but you know, it it's funny, right? Because Paul addresses this in uh, some of the pastoral epistles and also in Thessalonians where their theology had distorted things to the point where they thought, hey, you know, like Jesus's return in Thessalonians, you know, like we just need to like, like just worship and and not not work and not, you know, and and Paul's like, hey, and and then in the in the pastorals where he says, look, 
urged the people to live peaceable lives subject to the authority because they were like, hey, you're not the boss of me. And yet Christianity had become this liberation theology that um, all of a sudden was giving Christianity a bad name. Um, they had gone too far. And, and Paul's like, urged them to live quiet, peaceable lives, um, to get along with their neighbors, you know, yada, yada, that whole to work with their hands, like be good citizens, please right? For the sake of the witness of Christ. And that was the thing that was bothering me during the pandemic was the witness that we equated Christianity with screw all of you. I'm not going to, you know, that, that, that bothered me, you know, like uh, at least if you go out, like wear a mask for people's safety, you know, even if you don't believe in it, just be cool about it. Like, you don't have to, and you know, people were over the top. I get it. People were over the top of their mask mandates. It was all fear-based. But, okay, uh, I'll say this. Back when it was a bit like this, and this is maybe not okay. Um, I, I I feel bad for this. But I remember when, when I was doing firefighter training, they they said, hey, we'll give you the um, the car for the fire fire service. If you go pick this guy, he lives 20, 25 minutes away from you. Can you both use a company car and go to this fire training for two weeks? Yeah, okay. So I would pick him up in the morning. We go, you know, an hour and something away, go to fire training, come back, I drop him off. And uh, I, I was a really bad driver. Like, in other words, I should have been a Fast and Furious before I had uh, Liberty, right? <clears throat> and I would drive so recklessly, dude, and in Britain on those roads, man, like, and this guy kept, like, flinching and, like, you know, in, in my passenger seat. He was a young guy, too, and he'd get all scared. Now, this is a firefighter. This is a guy that puts himself in danger regularly, and he's freaking out and, like, starting to, like, <laughs> like that, and I... <laughs> And at one point, I and we're in we're in the we're on the road like at like five a.m. And I'm like, hey, I'm like, hey, just and and I was not considerate because I did not change my behavior. I looked over at him and said, hey, just a heads up, you don't know this, but I'm also a minister. You seem really scared about the way I'm driving. I know where I go, where I'm going when I die. Ha ha ha! Oh, no, you did I not. Did. No. I totally did. <laughs> <laughs> and I was trying to, you know, my sense of humor is a bit dark, right? right? And right. I was trying to laugh. He did not think that was funny at all. And I, in today's world, you probably get like HR reports for that. But yeah, so. interesting. And 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 it's not okay, you know. It's like, hey, yeah, no, you're going to hell, but I'm not. And uh, don't worry, I'm not, I'm not worried if I die. <laughs> this is only going to be bad for one of us. And uh, yeah, so I think it's a bad look. And I, I think, I think the church could have and should have done better. If the church wanted to, to say, Hey, we're going to like, there's a way you could do it where you're like, Hey, we're going to comply with, um, this and that. And we'll, so we're gather, but we'll wear masks and we'll social distance. I'll never forget watching the Greg Laurie thing and all that. They all went to DC and did that big thing. And then they all got COVID right afterwards. And it was like, Yeah, and it was like you guys, they did like this big, I don't know, maybe it's a national. Well, the thing is, it, I mean, honestly, you can't even blame that on they got COVID because of that, because they told us all, you're all going to get COVID. I got right. COVID. Everyone got COVID. Well, they like, eventually told us that, remember? See, here's no, what they happened. told us from the beginning. The whole reason why Newsom shut down California is <laughs> yeah. like, everyone's going to get it. And we're not going to be able to contain everybody in the hospitals. And it was just like, you knew from the beginning, according to the government, we're all getting it. And we pretty much all did. I don't know. We pretty much did. all did. I don't know anybody who didn't get COVID. Yeah. Like, even if you got the shot. And, and I knew people who died. Um, I knew Me people too. who. Uh, so it was a thing. It wasn't like, you know, and and if you if you gave pushback back then, you were a COVID denier. Like what I think needs to happen now. And, and it's very telling that it hasn't happened is the shutdowns and the mandate that needs to come before Congress. Like, forget all this other crap we're talking about in Congress right now. Uh, I Again, I'll just say to everybody, nobody's going to jail. Like, just stop. You know, the, the oh, Biden's going to jail this time. Oh, Trump's going to, nobody's going to jail. Nobody's going, yeah. Right? Like, nobody ever goes to jail in this country. Like, Hillary doesn't go to jail. Uh, Trump doesn't go to jail. Like, just stop. Nobody's going to jail. It's a waste of time. But what we need to be having hearings about 
is the government overreach that yeah. needs to be addressed. Whoever brings that up and sees that through is quite frankly, my hero in, in DC, in the Capitol, because that is so against the self-interest of the government. The government loved having that power and both sides yeah. want that power. Both sides. Yeah. This whole idea that it's just one side. Oh, it's just those evil Democrats. It's just those evil Republicans. No, dude. Yeah. They both suck up power like Absolutely. a vacuum, man. They want Absolutely. it. They're not going to give it up. Um, I see the way that we handled it at our church. And there were things that they did that I totally disagreed with. Like when they, when they shut down the church, I disagreed with that. And I yeah. still disagree with that to this day. I don't care if you want to stay home. I don't care if you want to do it virtually, Yeah, but you know what? I'm not okay with, again, government telling a church specifically, you've got to shut down. Now they gave us, they all had masks out there. They said, Hey, we'd ask that you social distance here in the church. I think that's cool. Again, I'm a personal freedom dude, right? I'm like, look, you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. You want to social distance? Well, social distance. I got no problem with that. But this, we're going to control you. We're going to tell you, you can't go out on your paddleboard. <laughs> you can't go to the beach. You remember right. that, right? Yeah. The whole reason why we got all these photos. Of I had never, ever seen you go to the beach in my life. Pete Mitchell it's and the beach they, do not mix, but you were it. at the beach every single weekend <laughs> after like, that. We're going. We're going to the beach. You can, this is not this is not the world I'm living in where you can I tell me deep what down. Do. I think deep down you want to get arrested for going to the beach. You're like, this would be the best day for me. Ever. No, because I carry a gun and then you'd lose your right to carry a gun. And I'd be like, oh. see, you know, no, I'm no. OK. All right. I got but you. um, but yeah, well, I mean, so I, again, I look at it and I'm like, you know, I think, you know, maybe the question that we should be addressing on this podcast, this episode is, you know, what happens when the next emergency comes around? How should the church be handling it in the next one? And I realized, too, because I remember my uh, my buddy, Kendall, he's um, one of my oldest friends from college. He and I are night and day in our beliefs. Like, he's very, very liberal. And I'm very, very conservative. But we're good friends, right? Yeah. And we can talk about these things. And we don't get upset at each other. And it's not like throwing up our hands. I'm never talking to you again. And, um, and so I was like, look, I'm, I'm not, I'm not in agreement with them shutting down everything and, and locking us all up in our homes for this. Yeah. And he goes, well, what if it was, uh, I don't know, E. coli or, or, you know, one of the uh, Ebola, right? right? What if yeah, it was no, Ebola? I was thinking the same thing. I go, well, if it's Ebola, that's a different situation. That's like a 98% kill rate. I'm right. like, and, and, like, so and what's that the might happen. And and when it's something that that was like eating your flesh, I think people are going to be like, yeah, I just stay home today. Well, uh, and that's the thing is and he asked, he goes, well, what's the number? What's the kill rate got to be? And I'm like, I don't have an answer to that. No. All I know is it's not this one. But again, if I was a senior who's high risk. Yeah. You know what? I'd probably be staying home. <laughs> so the amount of misinformation that was coming from the CDC and the World Health Organization during this, um, it was funny because if you remember the vaccines, we've talked about this, how it flip flopped when Trump mentioned it. Everybody laughed at him during the yeah. debate. I don't know if you remember. He mentioned during the debate. Oh, yeah. No, it was called the Trump vaccine when he when he yeah. it was under his watch that it came out. Yeah. And, and everybody, uh, Kamala Harris, everybody is like, ah, oh, I would never take this. This is evil. I don't trust it. The second he got out of office, it became mandatory, you know, mandatory. And then lose your job if you don't take it. Yeah. Multiples. Like all of a sudden the big pharma was in the bed, in bed with the government in a big way. And then it became, you have to take it. Not I would never take it. It became I have to take it. And it's super effective. And it is it is our savior. And then you had Biden brat like like boasting. I got this out more than Trump did. And it, everybody just flipped red, blue, yeah. right, left. Everyone just flipped overnight on the vaccine. And it. It was just, you know, again, it just shows like I, I don't understand how our country keeps believing both sides. And, and I think the real issue is like if, yeah, we got to figure like it's going to happen again. Um, the church has to decide how's it going to work for, uh, for you and I, I have to be honest. Like when, when it all was going down, I'm like, 
I just wrote about this a couple of years ago. I just told the church, you need to get outside the building. You need yeah. to start learning to gather in public space, yada, yada. And, you know, it was funny because the, I think most churches did a mixture and they brought this up on the, on the documentary that they said, look, um, when people like Foyt were claiming, oh, you can't stop us from worshiping this one guy. And I, I thought he was talking a lot of sense. He said, are you kidding? Every church went online suddenly. They found the ability to stream their services and they went online and money was flowing in. They didn't take cuts on their offering. Um, and they, they found they could do everything virtually. And uh, again, I remember. And you and I and, said, they're not coming back too. We did They're going to realize they can be a spectator sport and just watch it online. Brother, I said that way back in yeah. church zero, like church zero was so freaking prophetic on that. And I said, if this doesn't make sense, wait 10 to 15 years. And it will, I had no idea what I was saying was, Hey, pandemics coming in 10 years um, or less. And then the other thing was on reaching the reach that church in public space, both of those books in a weird way ended up being somewhat prophetic um, with, without me realizing what was coming, how relevant the stuff from the early church would become. And of course, that's always been my prophetic, uh, edge when I'm writing is that sense of, Hey, we got to get back, right? Like Marty McFly and, uh, Doc Brown, we have to get back, Marty. We have to go back, you know? Um, yeah. Or no, sorry. That's Jack from, uh, Lost. Kate, oh. we have to go back. That's what it is. <laughs> Got my pop culture wires crossed there, but um, yeah, man. I mean, uh, and and so I think everybody kind of did that balance, right? Where part of the pandemic they learned to go online, then the other part they learned to meet in, in their parking lot outside, and then they somehow mixed the two together. And but yeah, people didn't come back the same. Right? No, they didn't, and. I mean, the thing too that I think we need to be aware of and conscious of, like when you talk about it's time to get outside the building, you can't necessarily do that in all parts of the country. Right. Like here in Texas, you're not meeting outside in the summer. Right. Right. Um, in the winter, you're not meeting outside when it's 10 degrees out. You're not. Yeah. So there's a reason there are buildings here. <laughs> like you yeah. literally, we, we have the joke with my parents. I go, look, I go from air conditioned house to air conditioned car to air conditioned business. Like I don't, I don't wait around outside because it's stinking hot. And in the winter you go to heated home to heated car to heated business. Like you right. don't, you're not doing anything outside. So you just have to be aware of that as well. I think the key with all of this, if I were to summarize one final conclusion on this, I think the main thing that the church was facing was that we were being told, you mentioned casinos, certain restaurants, like people were still functioning, gas stations, um, liquor stores, ironically. And um, marijuana stores in California. Yeah, yeah. They were considered were essential. The essential businesses. I think the key thing that the church was and still is facing was being told we were not essential. Mm. And I think if the church did have a fight that it did need to have with the government, it's we are essential. And we will not be told we're not essential. We That's will we point. will social distance. We will mask up. Like I'm I'm all for that, but don't tell us we're not essential. We are essential with the amount of suicide that happened. That's where the movie kind of started going with the bridge. But see, here, here's the other thing, too, that they I mean, keep in mind, they wanted us to police each other. I mean, they even show the clip of the uh, mayor of L.A. Uh, snitches get rewarded. Right. They you know, backtracked on that real quick. They kept overstepping, finding, oh, that's too far. And then they backtrack again. But I know? mean, imagine what that did to our society, because that really encouraged the whole us versus them in the yeah. society. Yeah. When you're supposed to snitch on your neighbor. So here's my point with that. Like if a church says, Hey, look, if you want a mask, wear a mask, but I'm not going to police this. I'm not going to go in there and force you to wear a mask. If you don't want to wear a mask, you don't want to wear a mask. You know, and I, to me, it comes back to, you can't pass on what you don't have. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. You can't listen. So the, the mask for me just became fashion accessories, dude. I've, I was wearing, well, and you've also got a high risk daughter. 
So you were very concerned about your high-risk daughter. I will I will say this. It was funny because this is the first year ever my daughter did not end up hospitalized because we were social distancing. She just picks things up and it immediately becomes pneumonia because of a, right. uh, a condition that she has that she was born with. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it was actually pretty amazing for us. We're like, oh, this is so nice. We're not in the hospital two, three times a year. This is great. Yeah. Jamie used to tell the kids, she goes, you're not doing that because I'm not taking you to the hospital in the middle of COVID. And then Luke has an emergency <laughs> surgery in the middle of COVID. And it was, yeah, it was so That's funny. We were, no, you can't do that because I'm not taking you to the hospital. <laughs> so rad. This is about my convenience, people. Yeah, I get that, man. Well, you know, and and that's the thing is, you know, we we found that, again, going back to the whole evangelist thing, um, it was evangelist to me watching the movie. It was the evangelist gone wild. Um, and they need this is this is why uh, the church need, is grateful for the evangelist, because the evangelists will just get out there and do anything. Right. Um, but the the church was like, hey, uh, you're not exactly representing Jesus by doing this. Um, you're representing one aspect of Jesus, but there are four other aspects of Jesus or four other functions. One of them's a shepherd and going out there and massing together. It's not very shepherd like, right? When people are afraid of dying, you might need to, you know, hey, hey. And w- when you watch the clip and they're showing things, it's it's very much of the evangelist like stomping. I always call it like the WWE you know, like when they're, they got the mic and they're stomping around stage, you know, Hey, we're going to kick some butt on the devil tonight, you know, and they're, they're boom, 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 you know, moving around and they're doing all the, you know, uh, the body slam and the tough talk. Um, and what I mean by tough talk is we will not, God is doing this and God, and it's all a bunch of, it's the hype train and there's not a lot of substance to it. It's proclamation. It's, it's, you know, but it's not. It's not balanced for me. Apostolically, I'm like, yeah. hey, I care about culture. Tim Keller. Well, the thing too, though, that you gotta like, and, and and as I look at it, I could understand why Sean was so like adamant for doing this, because while they're telling you you're not essential, they literally said, no, we think these protests for George Floyd are totally essential. This right. is an essential, act. and it's like, okay, no, 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 no. They're not social distancing. They're not, I mean, probably a lot were wearing masks. I have no idea. I just remember some of the clips, but it's clearly not social distancing, right? And so I can see the frustration of you're telling me I'm not essential and you're literally in the same breath going, but the protests are essential. That's an essential activity. We need to do that. Right. And I was like, it was a powder, uh, powder keg. Like everyone was so like cooped up, ready to yeah, explode. It All was. it took yeah. was that little match and like, boom, it went off. Yeah. Yeah, we said that early on, too. We predicted that you and I both said, watch what happens when you cage people too long, right? It's, it's. I mean, prisons now. Hey, you got to put it like you can break people. You you isolate people too much, you know, uh, you're going to break them and then you're going to have real problems in the prisons. So they they started to um, limit solitary confinement because it was found to be counterproductive in long periods of time. And we basically created solitary confinement without the wisdom to know, Hey, this is going to just make people go. You could see it like people and uh, people couldn't handle that. They lost their freaking minds. Now no, I'm well, not and, saying and here's the thing that they found too, is the spreading happened a lot within families, because if you think about it, you coop people up, they can't after a while, look, I got to be around other people. So who do you yeah. get around? I'm going to get around family because I can trust family. Right. Well, yeah. And then one person's got it. Now y'all got it. (laughs) Right. It's just, of course it's going to spread. Well, and so here's the thing, right? Like George Floyd had my sympathy. I think it had the, the nation's sympathy. I don't see regardless, you know, what, what, like it showed, unfortunately, Foyt making statements like, oh yeah. Hey, if you can uh, gather around the life of uh, the death, the life and death of of a drug addict, then you can gather around the life and death of Jesus. And it was like, dude, did you really say that during that moment? Did you not? And it was like when Jesus told the Pharisees, discern the times, right? Like, 
like that, that maybe wasn't like, you got to be careful because if you're trying to gain this um, public platform and you're saying stuff like that, like I was offended. Just see, I, I didn't follow this dude on Twitter, but when I watched a documentary, I was deeply offended, even this far removed from it. I did not support the rioting. I did not support, you know, the, the, the looting and then, then all that stuff that happened, the burning of, of buildings. But I did support the anger. I did support, um, the outrage and still to this day do. I was glad that, um, you, you and I both, are probably no great fans of police brutality. Um, that doesn't mean we're anti-police. I'm not anti-police. Uh, I think we need police. But um, I, again, in America, we just polarize so quickly on this without critical thinking. And I watched the reaction to it on the negative. There was a positive. And they mentioned what what I got upset about was watching everyone else hijack the 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 response to that it was mm -hmm. about one thing suddenly became about lgbtq it became and and they brought up one of the people brought up that hey you're a hijack like because foyt goes down into the heart of minneapolis uh in right near the george floyd memorial oh, yeah, square yeah, yeah, that they that. blocked off yeah. and he throws his and they're like dude what are you doing even when the portland police officer called him very kindly and said, look, I'm asking you kindly. He said he asked like 13, 14 times. He said, I, 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 I'm asking you very nicely, very politely, very kindly. Please, we can't handle the city right now. Please don't do that. And they came anyways. And they got driven off. And it's like, why would you? Like the police chief is calling, asking you, please. Like, I don't know. It just, it didn't set right with me. Mm -hmm. You know? I mean, what's what's that police chief going to feel towards pastors, evangelists who want to do work in that city now, right? Mm -hmm. When he's humbling himself and calling up and saying, hey, man, it's, I'm not, yes, you have the right. That's what he's telling him. He was like, yes, you have the right to gather, but we're strapped right now. We have 13-year-old kids run around stabbing people right now. We have a gang of them and we don't, we can't stop them. We don't know who they are. Like it's chaos down there. Please don't come for your own safety. And like, to me, that's bonkers. See, right. okay, so in that situation, I think there's a a way that you go in, but it's not by putting on an event. Right. The way that you go in is literally by being missionaries on the the battlefield, so to speak. That's what I'm saying. And getting in with that community. It is it is literally like, you know, let's let's find the youth. Let's befriend yeah. the youth. It's not let's put on a big event, for sure. I mean, it, there was one of the concerts and it shows like glitter bombs and fog fog cannons and all this stuff and i'm like dude did you really go into these cities like that and like throw these big like laser light shows and stuff and like i don't know it it just it i don't know brother maybe maybe it, it just struck me as like no no <laughs> no that right. is not but you know i'm always i'm always kind of funny about that stuff so no and i get see the thing is i get where the guy was coming from because, I do. Yeah. But I think you, but I, I disagree. Mean, well, I think, again, I think there's a time and a place yeah. for sure. Um, yeah. Some of those, like when they went to, what do they call it? Chad or Chaz or whatever that. Yeah. The chop remember zone. When they, in the Seattle, chop zone. Yeah. That's what it was. Cause it kept changing names. <laughs> it depends yeah. on who was in power. Wasn't right? Portland the Chaz? Wasn't that the Portland I think it was area? Seattle, wasn't it? Was it? Okay. I thought the chop zone remember. was Seattle. Yeah. Was maybe, maybe it was. I don't know. I don't remember. All I remember is you know, I remember when it was happening because I remember they had taken over even the police station. Yeah. And it was lawlessness. It was complete yeah. lawlessness. There was nothing that could be done. And so he goes to that. Right. And he's like, all right, we're going to put on a concert here. And that was the first time. Remember, the wife was like, yeah, that was the first time I left because I was like scared. She, and, she got surrounded by Antifa. Yeah. And yeah. but and you remember, like a lot of the immigrants. Like we, we talk about the Russians we are like, no, this is how it all started. Yeah. They just, they eat away at your, your freedoms and then it never comes back. Right. And see, I agree with that. And that's what yeah. they tried to do. And literally, if it wasn't for, again, like I said, at the beginning, those judges that said, okay, no, the constitution says you can't do this. You can't do this, but who knows what'll happen in the next one? Cause now they've already yeah. got this precedent that we've done it's, it before. It's human nature. I mean, that all of that, that they're saying is human nature. Yeah. And one guy brought up, he said, the founding fathers knew this. That's why they created 
the government the that three we branches. have. Yeah. Well, like they knew that the that leaders like to take more power. So they you know, they yeah. tried to, but hey, we're out of time. And uh Pete, I know that uh you have something that you definitely want to say, but let me say mine first. <laughs> hey guys, we got a training coming up. It's um uh oh hey, look at that training. Did you see that? Did you hear that? All right, get on board, everybody. Oh, I can't. Is your train going by? We couldn't. My hear. train went by. Yeah, he blew his whistle right outside my window. Oh, but uh, anyways, we've got a bunch of trainings coming up. Um, we have church plantology. Uh, it's a ten-week cohort that's going to be starting up in September. We also have, and I actually have a link to give you today, so I'm very happy about this. Uh, we also have the first in our discipleship training called uh, Ancient Pathways. It's part of our Disciple Like Jesus. It focuses on character. And maybe you or someone you know, you want to, you're discipling someone, you want to take them through an eight-week cohort, just head on over to newbreedtraining.com slash cohorts. And you'll be able to see all the registrations. There's actually really just those two that are starting up in September. Love to have you. If you have any problems or you need a scholarship or something like that, let me know. Go ahead and drop us a line. We'd love to have you. And uh, yeah, that's it. Newbreedtraining.com slash cohorts. Hey there, bivocational pastors. Are you tired of spinning your wheels, trying to juggle your church duties and provide for your family? Well, hold on tight because I've got some game-changing news for you. It's time to unveil missionbybusiness.com, the holy grail of training programs crafted exclusively for bivocational pastors like you. We get it. Your time is sacred and you deserve a money-making solution that won't suck up every minute of your day. In just nine short weeks, you'll become a powerhouse armed with the secrets to launch your own business using the mind-blowing force of artificial intelligence. Yep, AI is going to be your secret weapon. Now it's time to stop dreaming and start acting. Head over to missionbybusiness.com and feast your eyes on our masterclass video, which covers everything in much more detail. It's time to build a business that fuels your dreams, supports your church, and provides for your family. Don't wait another moment. Seize this opportunity with both hands. Head on over to missionbybusiness.com now. Get to the church, Brian. Get to the church, Brian. Go now. And remember, if you want to reach the ones that nobody's reaching, you got to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing.